doesn't take any special revelation to recognize that our world is literally being torn asunder. The institutions we used to regard as monolithic seem to now be hanging by a thread. Let us pronounce, if we're anchored in Jesus Christ when all is well, it will not matter when it is not. Right now is a critical moment in human history. God wants to foster radical reliance upon him. He wants us to foster interdependence with one another, a holy community flowing from holy communion. Accordingly, as you've witnessed innumerable people taking to the streets in violence, one question remains. Is what moves them greater than what we profess moves us? If we profess to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we can no longer remain behind our comfortable walls, limiting the Holy Spirit to our comfort zones. Jesus is summoning us to surrender. Everything. People are now hungrier than ever for his kingdom to come and his will be done. God is doing his part. The bright light shines on you and me. Please don't dismiss this. We ask you to please take a moment and check out the website oneheartonecity.us. What's this all about? We're simply missioned friends throughout this region, across denominations, who have encountered the love of God in Jesus Christ and can't help but see his healing, transforming, saving love overflow into this world. What you're going to hear in the next hour are some very powerful testimonials from a recent three-night event that took place at Swan Creek Park in Toledo, Ohio. We hope it is the first of many opportunities that we share to see holy revival in this region. Before getting to the program, a word of deep gratitude for some godly businesses who have partnered with us. Please support them. These include Imago Dei Productions, Interstate Commercial Glass and Door, Perrysburg Auto Mall, Resourcement Financial, and Turning Point Chiropractic. And now, on with our program. You know, I, I just, I come to this moment and my heart is filled with awe. Like we get to stand in the midst of our city and we get to praise the name of Jehovah. Do you recognize tonight for, for thousands of years that the priests, they had to offer these sacrifices to enter in and tonight we get to do that standing here in a metro park in the midst of our city. So let me ask you again, how are you doing tonight? Awesome. Well, I want to welcome you. Uh, this is Paul and I'm Christy Austin and we just returned and relocated back to Toledo, Ohio. I was born here. We've lived all over the nation, most recently South Carolina. And so one of the things that I just wanted to share, it was so on my heart tonight to share with you, is, is as we come into these moments, I know we're all in different spaces, you know, and some of us, you know, we, we don't know God. We've never heard of God. Some of us have followed God our whole life, but we want to invite you into this moment with us. And what's really cool is we've gotten to really travel around the nation. And this is the one thing that I can share with you tonight. Okay. Are you ready? This is like groundbreaking news. It's not fake news either. Okay. And so groundbreaking news is, you know, when we worship and when we pray, this isn't a spectator sport. What Aaron did here was awesome. And I felt like I was on the beach if I could just close my eyes and wishing I was on the beach as I'm sure you were. 
But tonight, we get to enter in together to worship one heart, one body, one hope, one faith, one baptism. Do you recognize the honor and the privilege that we have to gather here tonight? And one of our very favorite things is to gather together as the body of Christ. And I know that some of us, we worship different than others, and maybe we pray a little bit different. But guess what? We all get to spend eternity together, right? Right? You believe that. We're all going to spend eternity together. So I say, hey, let's just start right here. Let's just start right here, worshiping him, honoring him, praising his name. And so would you stand, if you're comfortable tonight, would you stand with us? And I want to just start by declaring the goodness of God over our city because that is why we are here tonight. So God, we come before you tonight and we honor you. Oh God, we praise your holy name. As you give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope, you restore Every heart that is broken Great are you, Lord It's your breath, it's your breath In our lungs So we pour out our praise Pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out safe how many of you right now are aware of things happening in your life or in the world that people of the world would say is impossible marriages in such conflict that they would them staying together would be impossible struggles with brothers and sisters some of us right now are aware of people who have been difficult we've been wounded by we've wounded and we may think reconciliation is impossible well I just want to invoke a simple word here um, from our good pastor from St. Joan of Arc. He happens to be the son of wonderful people here, Father Adam Hertzfeld, and related to Aaron who played. But he basically brought this up in his sermon this past Sunday. Do you know the motto for the state of Ohio? Does anybody know? And you guys aren't allowed to speak because you were there this past Sunday. All things are possible. In God, all things are possible is the motto. It's the only state of the union that invokes a scripture passage. Now, some of us may think, yeah, that's when the Puritans or whomever came into this country 10,000 years ago, and it kind of snuck in and just won the day. Actually, I learned it was initiated in the 1960s, is that what you said, by a 10-year-old boy who simply said, we don't have a motto. And he, I think, wrote a letter or something. And from that, a campaign was initiated to establish the state motto of this Ohio 
part of this country where we're called to be instruments of revival, amen, based upon this idea that in God all things are possible. It's the very sacred land that we are now occupying. It is the destination that we are called to live in by the power of God, to know that whatever you just thought of when I invoked a list of things impossible, we're called to bring it under the dominion of him in whom all things are possible. Now, some of you I know tonight, because I met at least one of you, are doubting God, doubting his existence. Some of us are way long down the road. We are believers. We're alive. We're on fire with the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. You are all welcome, no matter where you're at. And I want to say to any of you who may be struggling with this, tonight it doesn't matter if you don't believe in God, if you're open to the awareness that he believes in you. Let me pass this now on to my beautiful brother and sister in Christ who are going to welcome us now more, a little more formally, John and Jessica Kennard. I married my sweet bride almost three years ago. Shortly after we got married, we attended a marriage conference. I've never been to a marriage conference before. I thought that was something for like older couples, you know, who have been in the game quite a while, but um, we were invited to go and I'm glad we went. And it was a two day event. And one of the things, the most important piece of information that I took back from that, I love free wisdom. And the most important piece of free wisdom, the most precious piece of free wisdom that I got from that was never let the issue outweigh the relationship. Never let the issue outweigh the relationship. When I talked to Greg yesterday, and I appreciate this man so much because he brought up a word, and the word was narrative. I want you guys to think about some of the pervasive narratives that are in our culture today. And I, we hear all kinds of narratives. You turn on the TV, you hear narratives. You watch the news, you hear narratives. You go on Facebook, you hear narratives. You talk to your friends, you hear narratives. You go on uh, the internet, you hear narratives. And in my honest opinion, by definition, what narratives have a tendency to do is they have a tendency to place a higher importance on the issue as opposed to the relationship, thus nullifying the relationship. And earlier today, I was reading a passage from uh, John 4, and we all know the story. Uh, it's Jesus encounters the, the Samaritan woman. And to set the pens up for a second, that, at that particular time, Jesus was on his way to Galilee, and he, he has to pass through Samaria, and while he's there, he has this encounter. And, and it's an encounter that he set up, a divine encounter, with a woman who had a reputation. And everybody knew she had a reputation. The, the town knew she had a reputation. The disciples themselves knew she had a reputation. By, and we know that by their response, when, uh, they got back, when they saw Jesus talking to this woman, they were like, what is he doing talking to her? Right? And we know the story. She was involved in, in, a, in an affair. As a matter of fact, she'd been in several affairs. And as a matter of fact, when she talked to Jesus, uh, you know, he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, I know you, you, got like, you had like five of them. He says, as a matter of fact, the person you're with right now, the guy you're messing around with right now, isn't your husband. And he, he dealt with her, her issue, but in a way, he addressed it, but in a way that was very loving, in a way that was very truthful. And he had a better presentation for her. He had, he had a better option for her. And at that particular time, there was a, a, a strong, very pronounced, very long-standing racial divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans. And 
It was very bitter. It was very strong. As a matter of fact, it says that if you were Jew, you wouldn't have been caught dead in Samaria. You wouldn't be caught dead talking to somebody from over there. And I, got, I want you guys to think about some of the narratives uh, going on in our culture right now. I hear narratives and culture through the God of this world, through the devil, who is a liar, is telling me that I have to live my life in accordance with these, in accordance with these narratives. I'm black, therefore, here's what history has done to me. Here's the current narrative. Live my life according to those narratives and stay in your lane. If you're white, here's what history has done to you. Here are the current narratives. Live your life in accordance with those narratives. If you're female, male, whatever the case may be, here are the narratives. These are demonic. These are not from God. These are from the God of this world. Who is defeated? The take home for me out of this whole encounter, out of this whole passage, was never let the issue become more important than the relationship. My wife and I, we're, we're not perfect. But when people ask me how my, how my marriage is, I say it's great. They, you guys find I go, no. They go, why? Because we never let the issue become more important than the relationship. Yes, there are times when we get on each other's nerves. I get it. You know, I get, I'm going to get on her nerves. I'm human. She doesn't get on my nerves because she, she's sweet. I, I, this is my sweet wife. But whatever the issue may be, I always tell myself, I always think about the relationship. This is the same woman that every day encourages me. This is the same woman that every day prays for me. This is the same woman that God has given me. Therefore, my relationship will always, with her will always be more important than the relationship. And that's my encouragement to you guys. Never let the issue be more important than the relationship. Start destroying these false narratives. Don't buy into these false narratives. Know where they're coming from. Recognize them for what they are. And create a new narrative. That narrative is Jesus loves you and he's coming back. I don't always like following him because he's really good. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk about the similar narrative and identity. Um, just to give a little backstory, I'm a middle child. I have two brothers. Um, and so only girl kind of fall into that role. Um, growing up, I know that in the church, I was, uh, I was recognized by who my parents were. So my maiden name is Fox. You're the Fox girl. Um, I was recognized by my brothers who were drummers, our drummers, and um, so it was your Justin or Jeremiah's sister, um, and that was kind of the label that was uh, put on me, um, and so I started just to kind of go, yeah, that's who I am. I'm the brother, I'm the sister to these two boys. I am the daughter to Jim and Kim Fox, which are all good things, and they're all true about who I am. Then I met this guy. And um, he is an amazing man. And as Greg said, he's pastor of the pumps. And um, I found out he talks a lot about me at his work. And so when people would meet me, um, you're John's wife. And so I am. I am John's wife. That's right. Um, and so that's how I became recognized by all these different identities that were placed on me, which are all true and are not bad but they're all just identities that were placed on me, and it's not completely who I am. Um, over the last year, year and a half, um, I feel like God has been challenging me personally to really come to full recognition of who I am in God and what he wants to do in and through me. And 
this is hard for me because I'm an introvert. So for me to get up and talk in front of you, not my normal. <laughs> it's really hard for me. But I know that God is wanting me to use my voice. And so I'm trying to use my voice the way that he wants me to use it. Um, speaking about John 4, the things that stuck out to me were she was a Samaritan woman. That was pinpointed. She had had relationship with five different men that were counted. That was said by Jesus. But what happened was she went back to the town. She brought all these people to Jesus. And because of her testimony, many came to know God. So just because the world puts a narrative or an identity on somebody, that doesn't mean that's who you are. That doesn't mean that's the end. So I just want to encourage everybody that your identity is not based on what this world says you are or what other people say you are. It's who God says you are. And I want you to just to know to rest in who and whose you are. Your identity and the narratives that are placed on you of this world are not necessarily the truth. They're not necessarily what God says you are. And so just to encourage you to make sure that you are resting in what God says you are, not what this world says you are. The God of the universe fashioned our hearts for his indwelling spirit. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in him. The following is from a prayer place gathering. Join us at oneheartonecity.us. Thanks for coming, everybody, tonight. Holy Spirit's awesome. Amen? Well, hey, my name's David, and uh, I'm new to the area. This is my wife, Shelly, right here. Raise your hand, Shell. <laughs> well, hey, um, Pastor Greg asked me to speak here tonight and just share a little bit of uh, my testimony and uh, really what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. And so I'm going to take a few minutes and uh, really talking about um, what you used to be versus what the Lord is calling you into, because we're all stuck in between something. Amen. And, um, and so, you know, Mary, Mary didn't know that she was going to birth the son of God that was going to change the world. Amen. But it says that the angel Gabriel visited her and he spoke these words. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you are going to bring forth the Son of God. And then, then he said this. He says, nothing is impossible with God. And you know, at the end of the day, most of us, we kind of believe that scripture, but we don't expect our life to be totally turned upside down and shifted and actually being willing to leave go of what we thought we were and being able to step into what he is really saying we are. How many of you know that when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, she didn't have a choice to say, you know what? I'm not bringing forth this baby. The baby was coming. Amen? And so it's actually about the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, the whole, Jesus, Jesus um, he took our sin to the cross. He died. He took, he took it to the grave. Right? And when you're in Christ... All that old, old junk is dead. And when he resurrected, he actually sent the Holy Spirit. And so the overshadowing, it's all in the overshadowing, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? 
Your life can change in a moment in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to tell you a quick story about um, how, I, how I got totally set on fire in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? When I was uh, a, a, a young, you know, young in school, living, growing up in my parents' house, my parents took us to church. We tried out a bunch of different churches. But every church that we went into, it was kind of like this religious thing. I, you know, you go to church, you stand up, you sit down. I actually never saw a miracle. I never saw anything supernatural. I didn't know that Jesus was really real. I just knew people that read about him in a book. Can anybody relate to that? Amen? You see, until you encounter and see something that is supernatural, it, it, there's, there's, there's little ability to be totally transformed and have what you truly are revealed through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, when I got into my 20s, I fell away because at the end of the day, I didn't know the difference between Jesus, Santa Claus, and the Easter Bunny. I didn't know if the Easter Bunny was real. I didn't know if Santa Claus was real. I heard a lot of people talking about Jesus out of the Bible, but I didn't really know he was real. I never saw anything supernatural happen in church or anywhere, really. And so, you know, I, I pursued a career. I, I uh, went on uh, through engineering school, got a master's degree in engineering, uh, went on to get an MBA, a master's of business administration, pursued a career in the chemical industry, and just tried to bury myself in my job. And what I found was the harder I worked, the more this void in my life became more real and real. And by the time I got into my mid-30s, I got to the point where I couldn't go fast enough on a motorcycle. I couldn't find anything to do that had enough adrenaline to keep me satisfied that life was really worth living. And I got to a point and I said these words. I was about 35 years old. I said, Jesus, God, if you're real, you need to come. You need to show me because I don't know and I need I actually need something so crazy in my life because if this is all the world has to offer, I'm not sure I'm into it. And a couple weeks later, I got invited to this church, and the way this person invited us to this church is they said, there's this guy, he's a missionary, and he has this gift where he can interpret dreams, he prophesies, and I'm like, what's that? But I had no idea, but something inside of me drew me to go see this, this guy. I, I never saw anybody, nobody ever witnessed to me that it was more than just words on a page. It was, you know, so, a power of God working through a man. And so my wife and I, we had this all strategically planned, right? We, we, we went right around worship, in the middle of worship, snuck in, sat in the very back row, sit down, you know, we're safe, we just want to watch, don't want to really participate, but I'm interested, and so anyway, they get through worship, the prophetic guy, the missionary, he stands up on stage, he starts to preach and do his thing, and about 15-20 minutes into his message, he jumps down off the stage, comes back the aisle, and, and points to me, and said, sir, Jesus has a, has a call on your life. He's going to send you to the nations. And I'm like, 
I'm looking at my wife like, who is this guy, right? What? Who is this guy? And he starts to say, do you know the Holy Spirit? And I, I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> do you know Jesus? I'm not, I don't think so. I'm not sure. And he says, well, can I pray for you? And I said, okay. And so he started to pray for me, and he took, he took me up in front of the church. He laid his hand on me, and he started to prophesy about what I was going to do, what, where, where the Lord was going to send me, and what, what was going to transpire in my life. He laid his hand on me, and he says, Son, have you, do you know how to do you pray in tongues? Do you know the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, nope, I don't even know what you just said. None of it, none to all the above. Amen? And so he goes, can I pray for you? I said, okay. He laid his hand on me, and he started, started to pray for me. The next thing I know, I hit the ground. And I don't know how long I was on the ground, but the next thing I know, I stand up, and when I stand up, this prayer language, this language comes flying out of my mouth. I'm shaking. I'm weeping. I'm overcome in the presence of God. And I had such an encounter with Jesus that I, there was no way I could ever deny him from that moment. Amen? And so, you know, some other things happened that night. Um, my wife, we, we go home, and I'm, the hair on my arms is standing up. I'm like, what is this? Why, why, am I, why do I feel like I'm electrified? I literally feel like I got plugged into a light socket. And she went to bed. There was no way I was going to sleep. I, I went over uh, to, to an, an open bedroom. I sat on the bed, and as soon as I sat down, it was like the Lord came and sat beside me and he started to wash all the wash away all the junk, all the stupid things that I ever did, all the denial, all the question, all the doubt. And this conversation went on until about somewhere around three, four o'clock in the morning. And when he was done addressing my heart issues, he started asking me this question. He says, son, will you speak for me? And I said, I don't, I don't even know, I don't even know your Bible. What, what do you mean speak for you? And he's like, will you speak for me? And this conversation went on until about 5.30. And about 5.30 in the morning, he very quietly again said, son, will you speak for me? And I decided that I was going to cut Jesus a deal in the middle of the night. The hair in my arms is still standing up. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess in the presence of God. But I decided, I, because I was so afraid to speak in front of people, I said this. I said, Lord, I'll speak, but I'm not going to volunteer. If I'm asked to speak, I'll speak. But that's the only way I'll ever do this. Okay? Anybody ever cut Jesus a deal? <laughs> well, lo and behold, this happened on a Saturday night. It's now Sunday morning. And it was crazy enough that some guy ministering called me out of the audience and you know this prayer language comes flying out of my mouth and all this stuff that was bad enough but for me to tell my wife that Jesus sat beside me all night long and he spoke to me I wasn't I wasn't ready to do that yet and so I went over jump in the shower it's now Sunday morning uh, it, it was like I was so alive and awake I didn't sleep for days but anyway I jump in the shower, I get out, and she goes, I think we need to go back to that church, Sunday morning church, right? I'm like, okay, let's go back. But I didn't say anything about what happened the night before. And so we get into church, we get through worship, 
And worship's different now than I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm into worship. I now know why people worship. Amen? Amen? And so I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And, and, and uh, we, you know, worship ends. I sit down. The prophetic guy, the missionary, he gets back up. He starts to minister. He starts to preach 15 minutes into his message. Guess what happened? He jumps down off the stage and he says, son, the Holy Spirit says that you cut a deal with him last night. Something about you speaking if you were asked. And I'm shaken at this point because even though I had this all night encounter with Jesus, I hated to speak in front of crowds. I was afraid. I didn't like it. Amen. I didn't like it. I didn't want to. And I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm answering him. I'm like, yes, yes, I cut it deal with the Holy Spirit. And he says, here's the mic. He walks me up in front of the church, turns me around, and as soon as he turned me around to the audience, these words started coming out of my mouth. I have no idea where they came from. People were crying. People were coming forward. And all I was saying is, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. Amen? He's real. I don't know if there's anybody here tonight that never had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, but I'm here to tell you that He's real. He is so real. It's not simply words on paper. It's not simply a book in the trying to achieve what's on that book. But it's about this One who lives and speaks to us. And so whenever this happened, whenever I had this encounter and I have this first thing that happens on this Sunday morning, the pastor of this church the next thing I know, he puts my wife and I in charge of the youth. Then he puts us in charge of, of, of the, the men's ministry. Then we're in charge of prophecy and deliverance ministry and all this stuff. And I mean, we're, we're, uh, the Lord is giving me these visions. He's giving me these things. He's speaking to me. And I'm like, what I learned was I didn't have to know the Bible word for word. What I needed to know was the one who lives, who speaks to me by vision and dream. And all I did, all I would do with the youth, all I would do with, with the men's group and everything else, what I would do is I, would, I learned to pray and wait for the Lord to show me what He wanted to talk about, and the, and the rest is history. And I started seeing amazing things happen. I saw blind people see. I saw deaf people hear. I saw people who were tormented by demonic powers get set free from generational depression and so many crazy supernatural things and I did that for probably about 10 years and you know I'm okay I'm just I'm good right but the Lord had a had a plan for a new thing even even after the initial encounter there was a plan for a new thing that I didn't know about but the Lord came to me in a dream in 2015 and in the dream he said this he said a man from India will call you go I woke up I'm like oh Oh my gosh, I mean, I was shaking, right? India, I didn't know anybody from India. Not one person. Never had any interest in India. Do you ever see that movie, um, Temple of Doom? I saw them meet the monkey brains in, in Temple of Doom, and I'm like, I'm never going to India. Amen? Never am I going to India. Well, I wake up, and I had to come to the realization that Jesus was calling me to go to India. Seven days later, I get this phone call 
And this guy on the other end, David, David, I am, you know, these, one of these long Indian names. Will you come to India? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I don't really want to, but yes, I'll go to India. And so the next thing I know, I'm on a plane going to India, and I'm standing in front of thousands of people. I'm ministering in front of thousands of people, all stemming back to the first encounter that I had in 2005. It took one overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And so over the last five years, you know, something that's been so supernatural in my life is the Lord just keeps making this way to send me to India. I've been to India um, 16 times since uh, March of 2016. Since that time, I've preached and ministered to over 150,000 people in India. Mass um, uh, groups of Hindus, as well as all of the Christian churches. And guess what the Lord does when He sends me into the churches in India? It doesn't matter what denomination they are. It doesn't matter what they believe in terms of the theology. It's always to go and introduce this overshadowing of the Holy Spirit because it only takes one encounter. It only takes one, one thing that He says to you to unlock what is hidden inside of you. I've ministered over 5,000 pastors. Pastors who knew what the Bible said and worked to teach their people, but didn't know the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't know this One who lives. And just so many supernatural crazy things all from this one encounter. And, you know, I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know if you've gone to church. I don't know if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and this, this thing that I described, praying in tongues, that's normal to you. But here's the deal. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. It says that destiny is locked in the heart of a man and only the hand of God can unlock it. Think about that. Only an encounter. Only the living God. See, you can't read the pages in the book called the Bible. You can't read it enough. You can't study it enough. You can't try to achieve it enough. Whether or not you think He's real or, or, or not, the essence of the story is the love letter called the Bible is to lead you to this living God who has a plan for your life that is so more supernatural, so much bigger than you could ever, ever conceive or create or do on your own. There is no way India, without the dream, I never ever would have even thought of India. And in fact, if I would have had the thought, I'd have said absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I, I don't want to go eat monkey brains with, with uh, Harrison Ford in the Temple of Doom. No way. But you know what? What I found is when I went to the place where the Lord sent me, I had a love for the people that was beyond anything that I, I, I could create on my own. I cared and prayed and, and spoke to those people in a way that I could never ever do outside of the dream. Because the dream wasn't mine, it's the dream of the Lord. Joel chapter 2 says that He would pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, that young men would dream dreams and old men would have visions. That's the way the Lord right? So my question to you is, what's the Lord been speaking to you? 
And if the answer is, I don't know, then we have to deal with that. Because the Lord never intended anybody to try to go through life wondering and not knowing what they are. You see, I know what it was like for, 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 for the first 35 years of my life. I had no clue. I had no idea. I didn't know. I didn't really have a reason to get up in the morning other than paying the bills and taking care of my wife and kids. But when Jesus revealed himself to me, when he showed me how real he was, and not only how real he was, but there was something he locked in my heart. India was in my heart long before I encountered him. But it wasn't until he came into my life with his voice and spoke and reached and unlocked that thing and pulled it out of me. Amen? And see, you know, I believe that there's people here tonight that even if you, even if you believe in Jesus, even if you um, pray in tongues, even if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all that stuff, I believe that there's, there's a dream. There's a greater, there's a next step. There's something that the Lord has planned for you that you're struggling with that you don't know yet. But... It all hinges on the overshadowing. Amen? Mary didn't birth the Son of God, the Word. She did not birth the Word until the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. And what was impossible became possible because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You with me? You see, us human beings, man, we make it so complicated we end up in these arguments with each other about theologies and what do you think this Scripture means and what that means. And Jesus says, no, no, it's, it's a lot more simple than that. I rose from the grave to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually told the disciples in Luke 24, 49, He said this, He said, do not leave this city. He commanded His disciples, do not leave this city until you are baptized, till you are overshadowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because just as I sent the Holy Spirit to impregnate Mary and change the world, I'm sending my Holy Spirit over you. I'm sending my Holy Spirit over you. Do not leave this city, Peter. Do not leave this city, John. Do not leave it. Do not. Until the overshadowing, the coming of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And a, sh a shaking, a supernatural thing changes. You see, Peter, the great Peter, Peter's the one that while Jesus was walking with him, he said this, he says, I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'll never leave your side. I'm right there with you. What happened on the night of the crucifixion? He ran. He was gone. Can anybody relate to Peter? Anybody check out? You didn't really want to check out, but you don't know why. You're trying to, trying to do the religious thing. You're trying to read the book. You're trying to go to more. You're trying to do the right thing. But you know what Peter found out? Peter found out this, that he couldn't do it without the Holy Ghost. He could not do it without the Holy Spirit. You see, we got people running around saying, I know what the Bible says, but they forgot the most important ingredient called the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the power of the Holy Ghost that changes 
that reveals you, that establishes you, that builds you, that sends you. Nothing else. You can't work harder. You can't try harder. You can't earn harder. You can't do anything harder than to search Him out and to trust Him. Because when when Jesus said, do not leave this city, He meant it. Don't try to do this without me. Don't try to do this without the power of my spirit. You're wasting your time. Peter, you're wasting your time. You see, Peter was a lesson. What happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost? Peter, John, all, all of them. All 120 in that upper room. It says the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them, overshadowed them. It says they started to shake. It appeared as tongues of fire. They started tongues, prophecy. They had the vision of the Lord. Peter runs out into the street from the very people that he ran in fear of him being crucified beside Jesus. He runs out into the street and says, brothers and sisters. And he preached in the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says thousands, thousands came in. Thousands were touched by the Holy Spirit. And Peter realized he couldn't give his life by trying to walk alone with Jesus. He had to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to serve Christ. Amen? It's the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, that command is not optional. There's nobody that has ever was, is ever even referenced in the, in the New Testament as doing anything supernatural without the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Acts chapter 19, Paul came across 12 disciples in Ephesus. And he says these words to them. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, no. We believe in Jesus. We received the baptism of Jesus, but we don't even know. We've received the baptism of repentance, but we don't even know this Holy Spirit. And Paul says this. He says, can I pray for you? It's as simple as this, guys. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit that you may know who you are in Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost and go into the world and shake it? Amen? It says that Paul laid his hands on them. He simply prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit and they were changed. It says that they prayed in tongues and prophesied. Everything changed in their life. You see, and that's the pattern. That's the pattern of the New Testament. It's in, the, it's in the overshadowing. It's in the encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I just I believe that there's people here tonight. Paul, where are you at, man? If you, you want to start to play a little bit. I, I believe there's people here tonight that you've been struggling. You're trying to do this religious thing. You're even struggling with what's going on in the world right now. The, the fear and everything that's going on in the world. And the Lord is saying, I'm here to overshadow you. I'm here to actually settle you. I'm here to actually reveal the essence of who you really are in Christ. You're not the Peter who ran away on the night of the crucifixion. You're the Peter that says, no, no, no. Don't crucify me the same way you crucified Jesus. I'm not worthy. Crucify me upside down. Peter wasn't willing to give his life without the Holy Spirit. He wasn't. It's not possible. But with the Holy Spirit, nothing is impossible with God.
There's not one thing that you can't do in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's do this. I want to prophetically minister to some people here if that's okay. But before we do that, and I don't want to freak you out. I'm not going to call you out and make you run away or anything like that. But just like the night the Lord, the Lord sent that man called the missionary to, to, to come and point me out, my life changed on the night that a prophet pointed me out. So I want, to, I want to pray for some people here tonight. But before we pray, I just I want to pray for a couple things. I want to pray for anybody here who's never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, doesn't pray in tongues. It's, not, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's actually the gift. Jesus said, don't leave this city until I send the Holy Spirit upon you. Amen? But I also believe there's people here that have been locked up in a place and they haven't been able to step into what you really are. You're kind of in it. You kind of see and have some ministry going on in churches and different things, but you really haven't stepped into what you really are. You're trying to maybe even achieve the religious system. And who knows? There's many different scenarios and situations. But if you'd, if you'd like to receive a fresh overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, I just, I'd like you to just stand up. And um, I'm just going to pray from you, for you from here. And uh, I, just, I just really believe that the Lord is going to touch some people here tonight in a supernatural way. The God of the universe fashioned our hearts for His indwelling Spirit. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in Him. The following is from a prayer place gathering. Join us at oneheartonecity.us. And if you've never prayed in tongues, if you'd like to pray in tongues, just, just raise your hand and uh, we're going to have some people floating around here maybe helping, helping you. Um, but it's real simple. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, man, this fire comes in your belly and it just flows out like lightning. In India, man, it's one of my favorite things. When, I, when, the, when there's a thousand people at the altar and these Hindus have no hope, they have no money, they, there's nothing else to turn to. They have goiters on their necks. They have things sticking out of their bodies. Blind people, mutes. The percentage of mute, deaf mutes in India is unbelievable. They come and they run and we start to pray for them and blind people start to see and supernatural things start to happen. So the gift of the Holy Spirit and the, and the gift of tongues is a... It's the same thing. It's a miracle, man. Amen. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit to come upon every person here. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, for the giftings of the Holy Spirit, the courage of the Holy Spirit to come upon every person. Lord, let the gift of tongues and prophecy be awakened in these people right now in the name of Jesus. Father, for every person who is in doubt, Lord, we break that doubt. We break the spirit of fear and we decree that the overshadowing of the Holy Ghost is upon you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for the supernatural outpouring of the Spirit to come upon people right now. Father, and I pray, Lord, for every person. I pray for every person, Lord, who doesn't dream, who has never prophesied, 
I pray, Lord, you promised, you said in the book of Joel that when the Spirit is poured out, that you would speak face to face with every person, that everybody would dream the dream of the Lord, would have the vision of the Lord and hear your voice. Father, let this grace come upon every person right now, right now in the name of Jesus. Fall, Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit prevailing upon us is saying, surrender, trust me. Surrender. Let these streams of living water well up inside. Let this, this joy and this delight of being aware, the Lord says to us, of my loving presence, my profound, overwhelming, loving, sustaining presence. He's saying, fix on me. Fix on my profound love for you. Let it well up within you and surrender all else. Just surrender your control. This is a moment of victory right now. This is a moment of new life that the Lord wants to usher us into. Even to say, Fear, I renounce you in the name of Jesus. If you need to say that, fears, I renounce you in the name of Jesus. I will not be constrained by these lies and these whispers of the enemy. I will not be held captive. In this moment, the chains are broken. Declare the chains are broken in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk into the inheritance of my identity in this very moment. I'm going to step into it right now. I'm going to receive these streams of living water. I'm going to lift it up in a chorus of praise. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I know there's... A bunch of people here that uh, just prayed in tongues here tonight, baptized in the Holy Spirit here tonight for the first time. I encourage you, before you leave, search out Greg or myself or Barb and Bill or some, some of the pastors here, and we'll coach you through it. But all I can tell you is when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I was so in love with the presence of God. All I could do every, every night, every morning was pray in the power of the Holy Ghost and His presence would drench all over me. His vision, He would begin to speak to me. It changed everything in my life, and suddenly I had purpose. And so I just encourage you, it's not just a gift that you experience one time. It's the voice of the Spirit that you articulate out that heart cry of the need for Him. Amen? So I just encourage you, and I pray for every, for a rekindling of the love affair with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pray unceasingly. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than any of you. I pray unceasingly in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul shook up the world. And I pray that the world that has limited you, I see it shaking in the power and the presence of God Almighty in fear of the way the Holy Spirit's going to cause you to break out of what has limited you. Amen? You know, Paul says, do not despise the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is the direct voice of God meant to help to transition you, to unlock you from the limitation and take you into that supernatural life that's impossible for you to do on your own. Amen? But uh, this, this lady over here, yeah, you... I just saw, I saw you uh, trying to break out of, of uh, like a cage. And it's like this cage kept you bound. You didn't have a key. You had no way of getting out. But I saw the Lord hear you. I saw Him hear your cry. And I saw Him walk up and I saw Him open the door. And uh, I believe there's a limitation in your life that you've been struggling with for a long, long time. But the Lord is going to it says that he, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him to open the prison door, to release the prisoner. You've been imprisoned by something. 
But the Lord says tonight that prison no longer holds you. Amen. So, Father, I just I pray I break the power of this limitation. I break this limitation now in the name of Jesus. I break it. I command it. I command that prison door open. And I just decree you are walking into freedom. In the next 30 days, you are walking into freedom. Amen. Hey, that big guy in the back. <laughs> Goliath. <laughs> I see you standing inside of a, I don't know if it's a church or a building, but I see you and you're struggling with a decision. You don't know what to do. You don't know what your next step is. But I see the Lord awakening you to the key to the building that you're holding in your hand. And I see you putting that building on the altar. And as soon, or I'm sorry, I see you putting the key on the altar. And as soon as you put the key to the building on the altar, it's like this whole new world opens up to you because you're willing to sow everything you have and when you sow what you have, what this struggle, this decision that you're in, I don't know if that makes sense. Amen? You're, you're in the midst of a decision. So when you put the key on the altar, I see this new glory. I just see like the wall falls down and you step into this whole new glory and it is so much brighter. And I just, it's like there's multiple buildings. When you give up this one, there's multiple things that are on the other side that you can't see yet because you're in the midst of this struggle, but all you need to do is lay that key on the altar. Son, I don't know if you've ever preached before, but the Lord, I see you standing, I see you doubting the pulpit that the Lord's calling you to, and I see it's almost like the experience that the Lord spoke to me about when I said, I have nothing to say. You're worried right now that you really you're in love with Jesus, but you don't know what to say. And the Lord wants you to know that don't worry about the message. He'll give you the message in the moment, the time, and the season. All He's looking for you to do is go stand in the pulpit. So there's opportunities that are going to be presented to you to speak. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just say yes to the pulpit. Amen? So Father, in Jesus' name, we just decree, Lord, yes. A resounding yes Lord, that you are the God of the impossible, the God of the supernatural, the one Lord who does things that, that man can't do on his own. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for this grace of the preacher, this grace of the minister to come upon this man's life in the name of Jesus. Fill Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Orlando, you have an Orlando shirt on. Uh, I felt so strong that joy just radiates from you. And what I saw was I literally saw a storm, but you were in the eye of that storm. And what I felt was that storm keeps trying to overwhelm you. But in all actuality, what the Lord wants you to know is that you are the storm. And so I don't know if you're in ministry, but I just specifically see restoration over you. And that in this season, he says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And just as Nehemiah rebuilt that wall, and, and I just see that in this past season, the, 
the sand ballots and all of those that have come to intimidate and to tear you down but it's his joy that's your strength and he says to go on because you are the storm don't let this storm overwhelm you and so god i bless this man and god i thank you father that the greater things he will do the greater things i thank you oh god that he sees the breaches of the wall. And I thank you, God, that you have given them the strategy, oh God, to supernaturally position those behind the wall, Father. I thank you, oh God, that he is a seer, that he sees in the spirit and he follows you. And so God supernaturally placed that sword in one hand and the hammer in the other. And so God, that sword comes against the enemy and the hammer restores and repairs. Oh God, I thank you, Father, that you increase tenfold over this man, we pray. God bless you all. Thanks so much to Paul and Christy, our worship leaders, to David, to John and Jessica, and to all of you guys. We want to keep doing this. So pray for our leading and guidance and the sustainability for this. Again, you can find out more at oneheartonecity.us. The God of the universe fashioned our hearts for his indwelling spirit. Our hearts will not rest until they rest in him. Join us at oneheartonecity.us.